The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to the second episode of In the Deep, a deep and dynasty-focused fantasy baseball podcast. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined again here by my friend Chris Weber. Schwebzy, how's it going? Hi, friends. It's going great. We are coming off an absolutely incredible week, and we are ready to kind of get into the real podcast. Last last episode was kind of like an intro, and uh, yeah, like now we're going to be showing you what you're going to be seeing more from week to week, at least during the off season. It's going to change. It's going to change again. Don't, don't it's never going to stay the same. Absolutely. We're past those first date jitters. Finally, uh, we also had a really good this uh, this past weekend, too, because we had the wonderful pitch con that we do. It. Well, now that's the second year we've done it now, correct? Yes. And year one was three days of panels and presentations. Year two was four days. So 362 years from now, it's just going to be all PitchCon all the time at this rate. I mean, I would take PitchCon year-round. There was so much cool stuff to watch this past weekend, though, really. I mean, uh, Schwebs, what was your favorite panel that we had this past weekend? You mean other than the ones I was in? Because uh, I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I'm, I'm selfish, and those are my favorites. No, uh, my favorite was Alexander Chase's What's So Hard About Contact Suppression. It's actually really changed the way I look at like baseball savant because uh, and really it's it's a must watch if you use savant as a resource. He really points out what's wrong with the sliders and how they can be misleading. Uh, how about you? Uh, I really like Chase's as well, but my favorite personally was the player debates of 2021 simply because of the absolutely insane and amazing that Ellen Adair made that had me laughing so hard I fell out of my chair almost. It was by far the most memorable thing that I saw this past weekend, even though there was tons of great information from tons of really, really good uh, industry experts. The thing that stuck with me the most is going to be that joke forever and always. Wait, what, what is that? I don't get it. It's a great question. Don't Google that, folks. Uh, moving on. We're just going to go over some quick news from the, since the last time that we actually met up with y'all. Uh, starting with CJ Crone signing in Colorado. Uh, Schwebzy, what do you think about CJ Crone signing in Colorado? I'm really hoping this isn't going to be one of those things where it's like, 
oh, he's on the Rockies and it's going to be great. And then like now the Rockies decide to play one of their kids. Like the bat projections are insane for CJ Crown. And we like he hit, he could hit for power in Comerica. So what like the sky is the limit in Colorado where the stadium is actually in the sky. So like we really would love to see him get played appearances and he is just an incredible target late in drafts. Like he was a great target last year and then he got hurt and I think people have forgotten about him and now he's in an even better situation. Yeah, I mean, he was someone that I had bought quite a few shares of last year uh, prior to the season. Then he got hurt, I think like 15 or 20 games in and then kind of fell off the face of the earth, obviously like loses all fantasy relevance. We don't want to think about him at that point anyways. His bad X projections, kind of like you mentioned, Schwebs, uh, 492 plate appearances, 28 home runs, 67 runs, 79 RBIs, and uh, 274, 341, 524 slash line, which is pretty good. And then when you compound that along with the ADP that he has right now, which, which I'm checking really quick, he's sitting at 350 for an ADP. Yeah, it's a steal. Uh, and it's it's rising. So you may have to grab him a bit earlier than that if this is appealing to you. But if you're one of the people that misses out on the early good first baseman and you're sitting there wondering like, oh, God, uh, like who I'm picking between like Heimer Candelario and Nate Lau, low, low, low. I always get them confused. Now they're on separate teams. It should be easier. And yet it's somehow I still mess it up. <laughs> But yeah, if you're wondering how to fill that corner infield spot or your first base spot because you waited too long, CJ Crone is a really good answer. Yeah, and there was like, I know the people that we know, like Trevor Huth was talking about like, oh, as far as like a late first baseman that I want to take, someone that I was, uh, he was interested in was uh, Evan White, which was someone that if I can get him late enough, I would be fine with Evan White as well. But this is a much better pick because CJ Crone's going to offer you a much better average in OBP than Evan White is, at least in what we've seen so far. And if he gets the majority of the playing time at first base. I mean, he could very easily clear 30 home runs and 80 RBIs. Yeah, because like there are question marks beyond playing time with someone like Evan White. It's like he needs to stop swinging and missing. And we think he will, but that's still something that we haven't seen yet. Whereas CJ Crone just needs to do what he always does. He just needs to play. Yeah, he needs to, one, get the playing time, two, make sure that he stays healthy as well. That's the biggest thing. Um, And obviously, like for me, I'm fine getting as many shares of him as I can in redraft leagues and things like that. Hopefully that I, hopefully I can get some, uh, I also don't want to reach too far for him, but yeah, I mean, even just like past pick 200, if you want to take a flyer on him, I don't think it's a bad bet at that point. So if you feel like reaching for someone a little bit at first base and you're missing someone at that corner infield spot, then yeah, why not? Yeah. We also had an interesting bullpen target. Oh, with, uh, Trevor Rosenthal going to the A's. Yes. Signing with the A's. Uh, so now that kind of takes uh, Jake Diekman's stock down a bit. But I mean, with one being a lefty and the other being a righty, there's also the possibility of a bullpen or a closer by committee situation with that bullpen. Schwebs, what do you think the situation is in Oakland now that they signed Trevor Rosenthal? This is just one of many bullpen situations at this point that are really concerning me. I feel like there are... Uh, there's at least three iffy bullpen situations off the top of my head where the top two relievers in the bullpen are a lefty and a righty, and really the the closer situation could be a committee, and that is a nightmare for us fantasy owners. So Diekman was a favorite target of mine. I still think he's going to get saves, 
especially if you're looking at, you know, like a lefty heavy lineup or like, you know, two lefties coming up in the ninth inning. Yeah. But it they paid Rosenthal a lot of money. Oakland historically uses one closer, but they're also a smart franchise. So if, if they think that their best possible bullpen is using either one, like, you know, on any given day, like... I, I do I do think that this could be a committee and we hate that. Yeah, obviously for fantasy purposes, not the best. Being in deeper leagues, there's always the opportunity that you can get and handcuff a couple guys who might be splitting uh, save opportunities on a team. But if you're in a shallower league, obviously this is going to be a much more difficult decision. I personally, I think that it would behoove them to do a closer by committee in terms of real life baseball, obviously like having a guy from the left or right side that can come in there at the end of the game and hopefully close things out is a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. And I think that you should take advantage of it if you do have it, but yes, for fantasy owners like us, absolute nightmare. And this year just keeps getting even more confusing in terms of like when you should be taking closers, save hold leagues a little bit different. That's a little bit easier. Obviously these are both people like Diekman and Rosenthal that you're going to want to have on your roster somewhere. They're going to perform in that regard. But once again, adding even more confusion to the already confusing pile of uh, bullpen messes that are happening across the league, uh, going to a bullpen scenario that seems to actually be becoming a little bit clearer, I think is Aaron Sanchez signing with the giants, which was kind of a surprise but he came out and threw a bullpen session for a showcase for teams, and he was hitting 97 or 98 consistently. Uh, when I was first watching this, I saw a video of it on Twitter. He was wear- wearing, like, mid-thigh shorts, and they were, like, a very light blue, and I swear I thought he was wearing jean shorts, and it really, really threw me off because I thought that would be, like, the ultimate power move is to throw a bullpen session in jean shorts and then get paid. But that actually wasn't the case. My eyes were deceiving me. Uh Schwebs, what do you think about Aaron Sanchez? So I missed the jorts bit when I was looking over the show notes. <laughs> but now that I'm seeing it, I am going to sidetrack this conversation. Please, go ahead. So we we talked about this when that video first uh, surfaced. And the conversation that spawned from this is, which major league player is most likely to be caught on video throwing a session in jorts? Oh, we did and talk about this. Oh my yeah, God, I forgot. <laughs> there were some There were some really fun answers. I, I think like some of the top contention, like I said, Cindergard. Cindergard uh, is I, the I one that Cindergard... makes the most sense. Thor makes the most sense. He already throws a ton of shirtless bullpens. Looks right. fantastic doing it. Obviously, no one's going to debate that. I feel like he would probably be the best jort wearer of the entire bunch. The first thing, the first thing that popped into my mind was Cindergard, and I'm thinking, oh god, Cindergard would absolutely throw a shirtless bullpen in jorts. So, um, and I'm a, I'm trying to respond to this Twitter thread, and I'm like, hmm, let, what's a good gif for this conversation? And I googled like shirtless jorts, and I'm gonna go ahead and recommend don't do that because that was a mistake. I was working from home <laughs> with my fiance when I was doing that. And I had to like call over my shoulder, like, "Hey, uh, babe, don't look at my computer screen right now." Oh, because of course that's what you do when you don't want to draw attention to what you're looking up. Instead of just quickly <laughs> clicking out of the, just close that tab real quick, Schwebs. You don't just say like, "Hey, don't look at this thing that I just searched." No, I was committed to finding the right gift, so I needed uh. to be on that page for <laughs> for an amount of time, and I just uh. I, I needed to. It's CYA. I needed to cover my butt. And. <laughs> which the jorts weren't always doing 
Oh, so that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the 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 lessons we're learning here is that Syndergaard is a good candidate for jorts, and don't do use the same Google searches that I do. Uh, I'm 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 doing this for you guys. I'm I'm making the mistakes so that you guys don't have to. But uh, some other some other popular candidates were uh, were Mike Clevenger. Mike Clevenger absolutely seems like a Jorts guy. Oh, for sure. Uh, Lorenzen. Yes. Lorenzen feels like another 100%. really strong Jorts and no shirt candidate. You know who someone I think that would actually worn Jorts back in the day would have been Brian Wilson. Yeah, to no, go Brian with, Wilson would have been a with great the beard, one. Like, just imagine that coming at you. Like, imagine he just trots out of the bullpen rocking a pair of Jorts. And like a cutoff tee and just that insane beard. One of my buddies brought up John Lester as a candidate. And I was like, what? John Lester? What? Really? I know you're making, you're making a face of me right now. This is going to be a video. I'm going to make this a video. This is absolutely going to video later. This is going to be the highlight um, of the episode. We're going to actually listen for it. We don't care about anything else that we talk about. It's going to be, they're here for Jort talk. Schwab. All Jorts all the time. Welcome to the Jort uh, cast. So, and he explained it to me. I was like, oh yeah. Cause he's like, oh, well, well. Lester's from the South and I can absolutely see him crushing a Bud Light wearing jorts and like spraying down his pickup truck. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of like a, a Southern jorts guy. I'm like, I'm like, I'm learning a new genre. Of, of jorts speci- guy. See, there's, there's yeah. very specific brands of, of jorts guys. There's Southern like country jorts guy. And then there's like, like California there's jorts like, guy. There's like California wears like checkered van skateboards jorts guy. Sorry, longboarding and jorts. There we yeah. go. Oh wow, we have become I've sidetracked this very we've, far. We've gotten so sidetracked, and I I love it so much. Anyways, back to the person that we were talking about, Aaron Sanchez and his non-jorts. Uh, Giants uh, president of baseball operations, Farhad Zaidi, has been eyeing Sanchez since the trade deadline in 2019, when the Jays eventually ended up sending him to the Astros. Uh, and then after he was going through his shoulder rehab, they kind of stayed in touch. And this bullpen session where he was hitting, like he's in midseason form if you're hitting 97, 98 consistently on the gun. I mean, that made it a yeah. really, really easy decision for them to finally bring him on board. And there's something that they really liked him because they also sent, uh, they also DFA'd Trevor Gott in the move to make room for him on the 40-man roster. So that was an interesting one because Gott was one of the main closing options at the beginning of last year. So it kind of seems like a sign to me where they're putting their trust. And I feel like Sanchez is probably a pretty good choice to be getting the save opportunities early on in the season in San Francisco. Well, so what you're telling me is that got, 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 did get, get, got, got, gotten, got, 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 um, yes. You know, it's funny, like it didn't even register to me that Sanchez might be a bullpen option because he was always a starter for Toronto. Yeah. And he would he would be an interesting choice as a reliever because when when he was a starter, his thing was always that heavy heavy sinker, and he threw it crazy hard, but also you know got got good movement on it. Yeah. So I'd I'd be really interested to see what he could do in the bullpen, and you know any any time that a starter goes to the pen, you need to pay attention because when starters go to the pen, their stuff ticks up, and they tend to do even better than they did as a starter. And there were times when Sanchez was a really great starter. It's true. And then it, that's also a very good segue into someone we're going to talk about later, but we're going to get around to that. One of my reliever choices, because we are talking about catchers and relievers in this episode as well. We do have one more person to get to in terms of free agent signings 
For the Diamondbacks, Joaquin Soria signed with them, a guy who has a lot of high leverage and closing experience now. Once again, another situation that is being complicated in the bullpen as far as the closer role goes. Schwebs, between Soria and Steven Crichton, who do you prefer? Who would you rather take this year? The person that I would rather take is Crichton, but what I want doesn't factor into the Arizona bullpen decisions. So I think who I would wind up taking is Soria because major league teams tend to be kind of old school. And there is, you know, out of those two guys, one of them is the quote proven closer and one of them is Stephen Crichton. So I I do think that uh, if you're going for saves, then the guy that you want is Soria. Whereas if you're in a save hold league or if you're maybe you know, speculating for saves later in the year, then maybe Crichton's your guy because I do think he is the more skilled pitcher since it's it's been a while since, I I, I don't know. I, I just, Soria just keeps on doing it, but I, I don't think it's going to last forever. Especially, like, that's not that's not a great ballpark. So I'm, I'm a little worried about Soria pitching there. Well, Soria's like so, what? He, Soria's 36 as well? Yeah, he, he he's old. The stuff isn't fantastic. So I, I, I'm a little bit worried that Sori is going to keep doing what he's historically done. Uh, he, he was really, you know what? Now that I'm looking at the numbers, he was significantly better than I thought last year, but he did walk more guys than ever. He got very lucky with the home run ball. Like his home run per fly ball was 3%. And he's run some low uh, ratio, like like low percentages before. But this was like a, a new level of luck, I would say. Maybe he does it again. His xFIP was five point fifteen. Uh, I, a long term, I'm betting on long term. I'm betting on Crichton. But if you're looking for early season saves, it's Soria that you want to draft. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think they brought in Soria more so as bullpen depth. I think they still trust Crichton because he has performed fairly well over the past few years in that closer role. He hasn't really been challenged for it in recent history, obviously, but um, I think that Crichton still has the role if he wants it, but I think they're going to have him on a pretty short leash. And then Soria is kind of there as a, as a little bit of insurance. I think, I mean, you're right. I mean, in deeper leagues, I'm kind of okay drafting both of them because I know that both of them are going to get high leverage innings personally like if especially if it's like a dynasty team i'm going to take Crichton simply due to age i mean i have joaquin soria on a i had it before he signed with the diamondbacks i had joaquin soria on a team that i just adopted this offseason that i've been trying to figure out like what to do with the bullpen and the starting pitching because it's just an absolute nightmare um and the fact that he got signed by the diamondbacks and is going to probably get a lot of high leverage innings was like a nice little gift because now i can keep him and not have to worry about it but i just don't know how well one if he's going to get the saves the save opportunities or not to how much longer he's going to be pitching for. So obviously I would, I would prefer having the younger asset in this case, but I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm wondering if a lot of these bullpen situations where they're kind of doing closer by committee or no one really has the clearly defined role of closer are, are going to actually become any clearer as the season goes on. Or if we're in kind of in that time of like analytics where we're going to be playing like lefty righty splits with certain pitchers and just going to be moving to more closer by committee situations across the league. I wonder if it's going to shift the landscape of fantasy in that regard, simply because it's just better for real life baseball to have multiple people that can come in and pitch those high leverage innings. Yeah. Kind of like metagame speculating here. Like 
we I, at some point like clothes are going to be less common than ever and fit like your standard five by five league might not be saves anymore like we might be moving towards save hold being the standard just because it's it's going to be harder and harder to pinpoint the saves every year well that's the thing too i really like save hold leagues above just purely save leagues because a lot of times like the ninth inning the highest leverage inning that's getting pitched throughout the game it's like six i mean any you could pick anywhere from like six through eight and though any of those innings could be just as high leverage, if not more high leverage than the ninth. And you've got guys like some of the guys that I'm going to talk about later who I really enjoy who find themselves coming in in the seventh or eighth to pitch two thirds of an inning or an inning. And those are just as, if not more important than that ninth inning. I don't know. I don't think that we should punish the relievers that aren't closers. Cause I mean, it also just opens up the pool of players that you can look at even further. And that's really, really fun too, right? There's a wider pool. There's not such a a lack of supply when there's too much demand in the reliever pool. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it develops over the next few years. I think that we will see a lot more leagues moving to save hold over time. I think there's a lot of people that will grip and hang on to their leagues that have just saves because especially if it's like a dynasty league and you're holding players like Josh Hader, who are very clearly defined closers, someone like Edwin Diaz, who's clearly got the closer role, in New York where I don't like yeah, exactly. You don't like change. And that's the thing too. If you built your team and you drafted these guys specifically so you can get your saves and all of a sudden you find out that, Oh, now this guy that you're paying $20 for in a league with salaries is basically got the same value as someone that someone else picked up for a dollar or two off the waiver wire last year to fill a reliever slot because they're going to pitch the same number of innings and their save holds are similar. It can be a feel bad in a way. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you got to hope that people can put their feelings aside to do the thing that makes the most sense. I, I've never liked the idea that an entire group of pitchers, which is middle relievers, are just like basically fantasy worthless outside of like a few outliers. Yeah, I mean, that are, that uh, relevancy is really nice to have when there's that many more people to go after. Obviously, like it leads to less feel bad. Again, like that's why everyone's feeling so awful about the current closer situations across the league, right? Because you don't know who to get. You don't want to get burned if you're in a saves-only league because there could be a guy that you pick up speculating, thinking that he's going to close, and all of a sudden, maybe he gets like two opportunities in the first week, pitches bad in one of them, and then just doesn't get an opportunity for another three months. And then you just spent a pick, some salary, whatever it may be, on this guy who's pretty much irrelevant for your team. Yeah, I don't like thinking that like Joaquim Soria might be more valuable in a way than I don't know Devin Williams. Exactly. It's it's dumb. Yeah, it's very. I'll just come out and say it. It's dumb. Yeah, it's very uh, archaic thinking. Yeah, I would say from a fantasy standpoint, let's let's live in the future, y'all. Come on, it's a better it's yeah, a better yeah. way of saying it than. I'm me. sure there's someone shaking their fist at me from their porch right now, saying that I'm wrong. But you know what? That's fine, old man. I will skateboard past giving you a thumbs up. <laughs> that, that's what that's what this pair of analysts brings you jordan white it's archaic we we need to get past it and then schwebsy it's dumb i don't like it <laughs> you get both sides i say it <laughs> i try i try to sugarcoat it just a tiny tiny bit schwebs that's stupid i hate it <laughs> it's dumb and i hate it so uh the whole point of this episode initially was that we were going to talk about some of our favorite post 300 catchers and relief pitchers speaking of relief pitchers we're going to start with the catchers, Schwebs, for you. Which catcher 
post 300, are you most interested in getting shares of this year? Right. I do want to preface this with the statement that we're talking about post 300 ADP catchers. Catchers after like the top five is a total crapshoot. So we, we like... There is a there is a very non-zero chance here that we combined whiff on every catcher we're about to say, just because catchers as a whole kind of stink. So, with with that said, the guy that I'm kind of focused on post 300 and in two catcher leagues for my second catcher is Danny Jansen, and you'd probably look at his 2020 batting line and think that I'm crazy. And I'll admit this isn't a high confidence pick because of everything I just said. But I think Jansen was a major victim of short season, small sample size weirdness, which is fantastic alliteration. Was that five S's in a row? (laughs) Uh, He performed well below his X stats. And when the season was ending, a lot of his indicators were trending upwards to their season highs. Uh, He's uh, one of our one of our writers. I got I think it was I think it's Noah Scott. No, not Noah Scott. Uh, Scott Chu over at Pitcher List is very big on using the rolling charts of Savant and Fangraphs to kind of show you where guys are trending and it works very nicely at, uh, in in a small sample size to kind to kind of show where a guy might have ended up if he kept doing what he was doing. A lot of Danny Jansen's indicators were trending up at the end of the year and so something that I pulled when I was lo- like kind of diving into his stats he just had a really weird year. Uh, I, I had I had Jordan guess what his BABIP was against the shift. Sorry, sorry, against n- not the shift, uh, against a straight-up defense. And Jordan guessed about 200 points too high when he guessed 220. It's insane. Because Absolutely Danny, insane. Jan- Danny Jansen in 2020 hit two for 53 against a straight up defense which is like unfathomable one of those being a home run which wasn't even playable by the defense in in general right yeah jansen had a 152 woba against a straight up defense and then against a shift he had a 419 woba which is like the opposite of how these things usually go so Danny Jansen pulls all of his home runs, or at least he did in 2020. He's got some power, uh, not a ton, but when he does hit home runs, he tends to pull them. And you would think that when you're facing the shift that you wouldn't be trying to pull the ball as much if you're, you know, if you're actually like strategizing and trying to hit optimally. But he hit all of his home runs pulled against the shift. It's like, it's a really just weird setup. And not, not only that, his profile as a whole was just weird for lack of a better word. His pull percentage dropped by 20%. His walk rate shot up. He swung less. He missed more when he did swing. It's just a a really weird profile for the 2020 season, which makes me think that it was an approach change, one that didn't go that well. So I'm kind of hoping that what that means is they'll go for a different approach this year. And that we'll see some, you know, not not only luck change where he won't underperform his X stats so much, but actually just, you know, an approach change where he actually just tries to do different things and hopefully returns to what made him a better hitter in the past. 
he's such a weird case. Like everything that you just like so stated right there, like looking at his stat cast page is absolutely insane. Like everything is, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. It's very hard to discern what actually happened. He just, it just seems like he looked at a lot more pitches. It just wasn't swinging and just felt uncomfortable at the plate. I'm wondering if he was affected by the weirdness of the short season. Like we theorized many people have been, I don't know what's going to happen next year, obviously. And the big worry as well as there's a lot of people out there, especially in the fantasy community that are super hyped about Alejandro Kirk. And if he's going to get playing time. Yeah. Uh, and there's risk outside of the production ba- baked in here where there's also uh, Reese McGuire. There's also Alejandro Kirk on this team. I don't know if Toronto is necessarily going to look at Kirk as a catcher candidate because he's not a fantastic defender back there where Jansen has been in the past. I I think what works in Jansen's favor is that he is a strong defender. That walk rate was through the roof. So you've kind of got a floor as a guy that gets on base and defends well, which is a, you know, it's a good profile for an everyday catcher, even if you're not hitting super well. So it's a great lineup. So at worst, I'm hoping that we have a guy that gets on base and uh, score some runs. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed that he can get north of, Mend- north of the uh, Mendoza line and kind of creep back towards that 247 average that he showed back in 2018 and that smaller sample size of 31 games in his rookie year. And obviously, since I'm from Wisconsin, he is also from Wisconsin, about an hour away from where I grew up, actually. I'm always going to root for Danny Jansen. I hope that he does well. But yeah, definitely an interesting candidate for someone post 300. Obviously, just like draft, like Schweb said, drafting catchers anywhere after like the top five is an absolute crapshoot. It's about as painful as drafting people for saves this year outside of the top five or 10 there as well. So this is kind of, this is kind of just the train wreck episode, honestly. The two positions that are like, we're just getting all the trash out of the way immediately. Just the worst stuff. Everyone here is safe. Definitely draft everyone we say and nothing could possibly go wrong. Hey, you know what? I feel very confident about my relief pitchers that I'm going to say. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Good. I also feel pretty good about my catcher that I chose to talk about. And my catcher that I chose was Ryan Jeffers from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, currently, Jeffers is going around pick 349, according to NFBC. And he showed some promise in the limited action that he saw in 2020. And he's currently projected to split time pretty evenly with Mitch Garver. 2020 stats were around a 273, 355, 436 slash line over 62 plate appearances. He only had three home runs, five runs, seven RBIs, like counting stats really aren't there. He walked 8.1% of the time and struck out 30.6% of the time. But I do think that we're due to see some positive regression in the K rate because he never really had a K rate any higher than about like 21% throughout his time in the minors. So I think we can expect that to come back down. And that's actually reflected in his bad X projections for 2021, 242, 309, 408 slash line over 318 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 37 runs in RBIs, and then a 7.6% walk rate. So a little bit of regression there, but I mean, dropping that K rate will really help him out a lot. Like we're going to say with most of the people that we talk about throughout all of this, everyone at this point in the draft is going to come with their warts. But if Mitch Garver continues to struggle, I really, really think that Jeffers is going to see the lion's share of the workload there in Minnesota. Schwebs, do you have anything that you really like about Ryan Jeffers? 
I think I, I like this pick because it's kind of like the inverse thinking to where I'm at, where like where with you, it's like if the incumbent fails, then Jeffers is a fun pick. Yeah. And Jeffers is like Jeffers is like the Kirk where I'm I'm hoping the incumbent succeeds. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like Jeffers is already getting playing time and he's projected to get playing time. I really think that they're just going to go pretty close to 50 50 this season. I I think Jeffers, his playing time uh, and production is going to come down to a lot uh, like what choices Minnesota makes with their roster. Like if Jake Cave is getting playing time and Karoloff is getting playing time, then I, I think that is going to lessen Jeffers' playing time. Like if they view Jeffers as like an everyday player, then you could very easily have a rotation of Garver and Jeffers in that DH spot. Whereas if they think someone else is going to be a better everyday player, you know, an everyday hitter, then you might see them, you know, not get so many plate appearances from the DH spot. And that lowers both of their value. Well, they also re-sign Nelson Cruz. So that DH spot's going to be full most of the time anyways, right? That's true. I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure the last time I looked at Minnesota's roster resource page was pre-Nelson was Cruz. Back, yeah. So just ignore everything I just said. <laughs> it's okay. No, I mean... That's the thing, though, is like Cruz is going to also still need his days off from time to time, too. And like, depending on who they trust most, I mean, I really do think that Jeffers could actually get a decent amount of D, like whatever days that Nelson Cruz does take off. I think that Jeffers could slot in that DH spot. Another thing to look at is that he hits the ball pretty hard. Uh, Max EV last year of 113, which is really, really solid. Uh, 41.7% hard hit rate and a 13.9% barrel rate, which are all pretty great. He did hit way too many ground balls last year though he hit 52.8 percent ground balls uh in 2020 that's not great but i will say that he had much better rates with ground balls when he was in the minors so i don't expect that to be a continuous trend into 2021 and beyond i really really like him a lot the hit tool isn't necessarily great so he's never going to be like a high average guy but for someone that can give you a little bit of an offensive boost and maybe a little bit of up power upside at a position that is not very deep whatsoever. I'm glad taking a flyer on him. Also, another thing that might behoove him is that he, according to Savant, was 90th percentile in framing last year, which means that if his defense is also very good, he'll get more playing time. The only thing that he really needs to improve on there to help solidify a little bit more playing time, I think, is that he was not great at throwing folks out on the base paths. But again, that's something that can be worked on. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited about Jeffers. I think it's going to be fun to watch the first like month or two of the season and see how he develops. And if he can get something rolling and maybe snag himself some more playing time. Also again, worth watching how Garver performs as well. I feel like I never hear any more about people's like catcher's arms. Like it's, it's, I feel like like the it's, it's all about the framing because it's so much more important to steal strikes consistently than it is to throw out the odd base. Well, and that's the thing too, is like we're, we're living in a day and age now where stealing is less prevalent. So it's not as important. That that too. Basically you're looking for someone who can frame pitches and can call, call a game well with their pitcher. And then also can get on base. Essentially. I'm not going to say hit well, because there's not that many catchers that hit super duper well by any means, but Jeffers has higher upside than most at the catcher slot. So, I mean, we'll see there's also, I, I know this is an argument that some people have posed saying that because of the dead and ball, there might be the possibility that people are stealing bases more often in 2021, which in that case, like the throwing people out on the base paths would be relevant, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Schwebs, anything else on Ryan Jeffers? 
No, I just needed to get that bit about base stealing in. I wanted to sound smart for a second after forgetting that Nelson Cruz existed. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Schwebs. The only thing that I really know about Nelson Cruz that I've been paying attention to, aside from the fact, the only piece of news that I saw about Nelson Cruz, aside from the fact that he re-signed, was the fact that he was wearing Mag- Miguel Sano's pants. That was so good. The tweet where he is wearing Miguel Sano's pants. And I mean, Nelson Cruz is a very large man and it looked like a child wearing his father's pantaloons. Like it was comical how big they were. He had them pulled up to like four inches above his belly button. And they were still like, he was still like stepping on the pant legs. They were going up underneath the shoe. Like it's insane how big Miguel Snow is. So takeaways here, pay attention to Ryan Jeffers playing time. Nelson Cruz exists. Miguel Sano, large human. Very large. All right. And then just a few honorable mentions that we wanted to hit on real quick while we're talking about catchers. Uh, a few that might be interesting. Uh, the two, well, th- two or three that I threw in, uh, Tyler Stevenson. He showed a few flashes when he actually got playing time, but it seems like the Reds are really in love with having Tucker Barnhart at catcher. So um, until his playing time shoots up in any capacity, I really don't think he's worth any attention. It's something to monitor early in the year to see if he does get more opportunities. But for now, just kind of steer clear. Max Stassi. Is it Stassi or Stacy? I think it's Stassi. Stassi. Max Stassi. Um, I, I think. Yeah, we'll go with it. I'm sorry, Max, if you happen to listen to this, which you won't. But uh, if we mispronounced your name, I apologize. I will make sure that I get it right next time. He looks decent when he's healthy. But he has had a few, like, bumps and bruises over the past couple of years. And then... The Angels also just signed Kurt Suzuki, which makes me think that they might be hedging their bets and trying to like split time between the two so that way they can keep him healthier and keep him in the lineup more often. Um, he's another wait and see for me. I really like him a lot, but I think I want to see him, one, get the consistent playing time at backstop, and two, stay healthy before I actually take a flyer on him. There is the, uh, the heir apparent to the catcher position who is going later in drafts than I kind of expect, although NFBC ADP is redrafts, so I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. But Adley Rutschman, yes. there's been talk There's been talk of him seeing playing time. Like I've literally heard scouts quoted saying that he is at this moment the best catcher in baseball. Which is so absurd, it's more, considering he's right, taken a it, single it, plate appearance in the majors, yeah. Well, yeah, just like Jason Dominguez is as de- uh, as more developed than Trout was at age seventeen. Yeah, you know we we love we love a uh, prospect hyperbole, but it's more of a question of when than if for Adley Rutschman. Like a lot of scouts think that he's going to produce the second he hits the majors, and his where you draft him is going to depend depend on when you think he's going to come up. So, do do you think he's going to see time in twenty twenty one? It's hard to say. I hope he does because we took him in our fantasies or in our dynasty startup <laughs> it'd be really great because cur- who's our current we have yes we have, we have yes yes current ca- catcher so we're not super concerned about getting uh rutchman up anytime soon but as far as like someone who can actually provide decent offensive output that isn't named sal perez or jt rio muto at the catcher position i'm pretty hyped to see him actually debut i really want to see that happen especially in an Orioles organization, which is super subpar. They're literally, they've literally been given a 0% chance to make the playoffs this year. I am sorry, Alex fast. I cannot imagine how bad that feels. I'm so, so sorry, but there, there, there might be like a, like, like a late 
decimal point number or something like there might there might be like a zero 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 one percent chance and they're just rounding down maybe, maybe they're probably rounding down i mean in any probability uh i don't even know what the word is i don't know what i don't know how to do math i'm over here just spinning my wheels trying to think of the word and i, I couldn't actually tell you but yes there probably is some like small fraction of a percentage if king felix wins 20 games baltimore has a chance oh my god i forgot that king felix signed with them right Prince Felix, Duke Felix, Baron Phoenix, Phoenix, <laughs> Baron Felix. Oh my God. But, uh, so yeah, uh, we mentioned Rutschman because we, we do want to talk about prospects as well as, uh, you know, your deep league targets and a prospect that I'm a fan of, uh, Texas's number two prospect, Sam Huff. Now, this was another quiz question that I gave Jordan before. How tall do you think Sam Huff, the catcher, is? I literally the answer. I, I've never watched. I've never watched him play. I, I have not watched any film of him yet. Um, I just you, assumed you were because by nearly a foot. Uh, hey, okay, take it easy. All right, <laughs> I just assumed catcher probably like a, like a nice short stout boy. I, I guessed five eight, which was like a very severe severe under guess. That Joe Maurer was very tall for a catcher back in the day I'm, I'm aging myself here joe mauer was like six four i think sam huff is six five my god this is a large man playing catcher like he's he's like i bet if sam huff is squatting behind like jose altuve that sam huff is taller so <laughs> sam huff is a large very large human being and he is a he is one of my favorite types of players the large man that hit ball far I, I think Jose Trevino might as well just have placeholder on his jersey instead of the name Trevino. Like, Huff had never played above a, a high A ball before 2020, but he played in the majors in 2020, hit some dongs. His average exit velo was 95.7 among players with at least 20 batted ball events. And this is a very cherry pick statistic because Huff had exactly 20 batted ball <laughs> events. <laughs> Sam Huff led the league in barrels per plate appearances like ahead of even like Fernando Tatis and this is very much a small sample size warning but what he did in his small sample size was really exciting dude can smash the ball may I just say that this kind of just feels like they have a second Joey Gallo playing catcher I would love that I mean just two dudes just hitting absolute jacks would be fantastic. They always say everything is bigger in Texas, and that includes the catchers. I guess you know this is uh, this is. Fantastic. I, I love I, I love how many home run euphemisms just are kind of off sounding. Sam Huff, more like Sam Buff. Am I right? Guy hits dong. Yeah. Guy hits dongs. All right, monster dongs. Monster dongs. Anyways, uh, sorry Nick. <laughs> yeah, sorry Nick. Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, we haven't hit our quota yet for shilling for pitcher list. Oh no. I'm just I'm just sorry to the world at large, really. We apologize for everything and anything we might say that will offend any of you. What will offend? <laughs> All right. I think that's probably enough for catchers. Again, not a super fun position to talk about necessarily, especially because of the lack of depth in general. But there are a few targets for you to look at post 300. Moving on to relief pitchers. Schwabzi, let's start with you on this one. Let's talk about one of your picks. Uh, Who would you like to start with? I've got a few guys that I really like kind of in order of the chances that I think they'll close. Okay. So the the guy that I think is most likely to close here is probably Chris Martin. I would I would really I'd put it as a toss up right now between him and Will Smith. 
like Will Smith has more experience closing, but I do think Chris Martin's the better pitcher. And generally when it comes down to like, again, this is another one of those situations we talked about earlier where the top two relievers in a bullpen are a lefty and a righty. So this could wind up being one of those situations where it's a committee or or just, you know, whichever handed batters coming up, that's the guy that's going to close. But if the Braves decide to go with one closer, I like Chris Martin. I generally side with the righty because they're going to see more, you know, more righties than lefties. That's just, you know, how baseball is. There's more righties than lefties. So, yeah, I, I, I like Chris Martin. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball since the start of 2019. I think he's like he's in the top 25 in like reliever war, which is a not, not a great statistic, but it, it shows that he's been, you know, solid for a, a good stretch of time. Uh, and yeah, I, I have little doubt that if he does win that closer role, if they do pick just one guy, then he's going to run with it. Yeah, I can dig that. Uh, Rick Graham over at Pitcherless does all of the reliever rankings for us does an absolutely insane job. I'm looking at the top 100 for drafts and or uh, for uh, saves and holds right now. Uh, currently, let's see here. Chris Martin is ranked at number 44 and Will Smith at number 38. So there's not a huge separation there. It seems like he's not totally sure either, but it seems like he trusts both of them to perform well. Again, will not be shocked if it's another one of those closer by committee situations that we're coming to oh, no. hold so dearly right now making a nightmare for all of us but if you need saves and or holds martin really not a bad choice i, I do like that one a lot Schwebs. i don't like to hear that i disagree with rick graham because that probably means i'm wrong but I, i'm sticking to my guns on this they're one only they're only six spots apart yes will smith is in a tier higher than chris martin is but like that six position gap is really not that much i think that's definitely an okay yeah. choice yeah, basically what what that means is that since this is a save hold list, he thinks the skills are basically the same, which, you know, says to me, both good pitchers. If it's a save hold league, you can't really go wrong. I, I think, but yeah, I, I do think that if you're in strictly a saves league, that Chris Martin is uh, is your guy. Fair enough, yeah. Let's switch over to one of my picks. So I kind of chose, I only chose two. I chose my two guys with save holds in mind they're people that i have taken as flyers off the waiver wire and things like that in leagues even if they're strictly save leagues just because i want a really good reliever that's going to get some high leverage innings and then potentially like snag a win here or there the first one that i'm going to talk about is aaron bummer what i like about bummer and what i find really interesting about him i found out that this is kind of my favorite kind of reliever is that you see a lot of people, like especially when you're talking about starting pitchers who want to have a repertoire where they have like two very good offerings and at least one or two other out pitches beyond that to help kind of like form like a fully rounded pitcher. Aaron Bummer throws his sinker 83.4% of the time as of last season. That essentially makes him a one-pitch pitcher, which is absolutely insane. So why is someone like this so in- so effective? Honestly, I can't tell you that much. I will say that he has been doing a good job, at least in 2020, in the smaller sample size. He did a great job of keeping it down in the zone. The weird thing about Bummer, though, is that unlike most sinker ballers who like to throw their sinker to their arm side, so it kind of fades down to that lower portion, lower corner for him would be, from his perspective, the lower left portion of the zone as a lefty. He throws it glove side a lot, which I found pretty weird. Uh, but 
again, he is super duper elite at causing really, really poor contact and or ground ball contact. Uh, added a cutter in 2019 and then dropped his forcing entirely. And that's continued his kind of ascent to being a much better reliever. 2019 tw- had a 71.4% ground ball rate, which is absolutely insane. Just absolutely nuts. Just burying the ball into the ground. And then again in 2020 with a 68.4% ground ball rate, that's absolutely nuts. Like as long as you have a semi-serviceable defense infield defense behind you, that's going to play. Again, not going to be a high strikeout guy or anything like that, but the whip's going to be pretty good. The ERA is going to be really, really solid. And then again, he's going to be given some high leverage innings that he's shown in not just ERA, but like also FIP and XFIP. I like players like this a whole bunch. Uh, Schwebs, what do you think about Aaron Bummer? Aaron Bummer is that actually like he does strike some guys out. Like his K rate in getting that kind you know, uh, like poor quality contact, like he needed to be very elite. Yeah. I mean, you look at his sample size from, so like only pitched 9.1 innings in 20, uh, in 2019 and a much larger sample. Size. Oh, I just like him a lot. He's going to limit the damage. He's a steady Eddie in the bullpen. And that's what I like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's always fun when, and I, I think we're going to talk about this some more when a pitcher just has one just absolutely dominant pitch. It's why Mariano Rivera was so fascinating for so long. Yeah, when you throw the cutter over and over again, and then you have like an out pitch that you throw like 5-10% of the time, I mean, you you really are mostly just a one-pitch pitcher. I feel like you have to have, I know that like Sporer said this when he was talking about, talking in his PitchCon presentation about um, four to eight pitches that, could get better or could be improved upon in 2021 to help help pitchers become better uh that basically for someone to consider have have a pitch be considered an actual offering that they have in their repertoire they have to throw it at least 10 percent of the time so the fact that you have someone like aaron bummer who throws his sinker almost 84 percent of the time and then no other pitch well the cutter he threw close to 10 percent of the time but aside like just basically the two offerings makes it all that much more impressive that he can have the success that he has. Yeah, it's not your usual profile for a dominant reliever, but it works and there's no reason that it wouldn't continue to work. Yeah. Well, there's also just like the stigma against sinkers, right? You want someone who can throw like high heat and then like just a really sharp breaker, but he's throwing two, essentially two fastballs mostly. That's what he has. Yeah. I mean, since the start of 2019, his XERA is like, what, like, like 2.8. Just super good. What, what do you, what more? Yeah. What more do you want? Yeah. Super fantastic. Yeah. That's all I got on Aaron Bummer. Uh, Schwebs, what about your next guy? So another guy that I like to be a prospective closer, Yimi Garcia. So dating back to 2019, this is another guy who has been a very elite reliever. Uh, this is, I mean, uh, you know, anytime you're talking about relievers, you're talking about small samples, but the metrics back it up. He's got a, a, an elite fastball as far as both velocity and spin. His curve is filthy. He walks, uh, he, he limits the walks. He gets strikeouts. There's just nothing to not like. You might not know the name Yimi Garcia, but there's a good chance that he winds up in that closer role and just runs away with it. it like the, Mar- the Marlins are willing to give the closer role to guys like oh oh god I'm, I'm forgetting his name the sinker baller Kinsler yes. they're willing to give the closer role to a guy like Kinsler if he can handle it. I Yimi Garcia's stuff blows away Kinsler's 
So if he actually, if, if they're actually willing to put him in that role, I, I think you're going to see them stick with him. And I think he's just going to absolutely be fantastic in that role. So, you know, fingers crossed, the Marlins bullpen situation is kind of weird at the moment. We were looking at roster resource when prepping for this podcast, and it said they only had like four relievers at this moment. Uh, I don't know if it was a buggy thing with fan graphs or, or what. But uh, at, for, for who they currently have lined up for their pen, I like Yimi way more than anyone else they have. Yeah, I mean, forcing fastball is pretty tight. His slider is pretty good, too. I mean, I the few times that I saw Yimi Garcia pitch last year, I will admit, was I think maybe twice he looked good. I mean, that's not really a whole lot of... That's not really something you should really put stock behind necessarily. But I mean, like, for me, he passed the eye test and he was pretty effective. I would be fine, especially because what is his ADP right now, Schwebs? Do you know offhand? Uh, no, but I can find out real quick. 372, or sorry, 407 is where he's going right now. So like post 400, you're looking for someone, especially if it's like a saves hold league, like that's fantastic. Um, and then, it's actually in February, in February, it's down to 427. So you can get him late. Late, late. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then uh, Rick Graham has him ranked 65th on his saves hold list, which is reasonable. If you're doing deeper leagues like we're mostly talking about, he's going to be a really, really good bet, I think. Um, in that sixth tier, you got guys around him like Anthony Bass, who is also in that Marlins bullpen. You also have folks like uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall, which is one that kind of surprises me seeing him in that spot, considering I personally almost think that Gratterall is going to be next in line to get closing opportunities in L.A. if Kenley Jansen con- con- continues to show any decline. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, L.A. loves their sinker ballers, but they do have Trine in there, and they gave Trine in a, a good bit of money. So I, I'm not quite sure about Gratterall getting that spot. He just throws so um, hard. I know, I know. Oh. It, um, but I wonder, like, is Dustin May going to be a like a, a high leverage reliever for them? It's a, that, it's a weird pulpit yeah. situation. I mean, everything that's going on there is very strange. I mean, if they could put him in the bullpen and he's just like chucking 102. Because he hit 101 and he hit 101 in a live BP today. Is the new market inefficiency relievers that throw 100 mile an hour sinkers are like, are the Dodgers just ahead of the curve here? It might be, honestly. And if that's the case, like that's kind of cool. But at the same time, they have so many people that throw super hard sinkers. It is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're a little off track. Um, I, I, I think I think it's it's obvious here. And if it's not yet, it's going to be with the next guy I talk about. Uh, I'm definitely. I definitely have my eye on saves leagues here because like saves holds opens things up a lot more, but I do think like since every league has either save holds or saves and save is kind of the old standard, I'm definitely focusing more on guys who I think could get closer roles here. Oh, for sure. Sorry. I was looking up someone that also reminded me of, I I was looking up a third one now because I do have a third one that I want to talk about simply because Oh, that's so funny. He's right, literally right after Aaron Bummer in ADP rankings. That's so crazy. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways, I got side. Who you got? Sidetracked. Um, I want to talk about my second guy that I already had on my list first, going at number 404 currently, according to NFBC ADP, Zach Britton. Literally almost the exact same profile as Aaron Bummer, a hard-throwing sinker baller who literally throws basically just one pitch. He has got sinker and then he's got his slider that's all he really throws for those of you who remember back in the day zach Britton used to be a starter when he was with the orioles from 2011 to 2013 
During that time, he had a 4.77 ERA, a 4.20 FIP, 4.18 XFIP, and a 1.52 WHIP from 2011 to 2013. In the time since he left the starting rotation in Baltimore and became a reliever from 2013 to today, he has had a 1.84 ERA, a 2.93 FIP, a 2.83 XFIP, and a 1.05 WHIP. Absolutely insane. The other change that came along with going to the bullpen is that he almost completely stopped throwing his four-seamer immediately after he entered the bullpen. So in 2014, he went from, in 2013, he went from throwing at 30.5% of the time, his four-seamer, all the way down to 0.8% of the time, almost completely eliminated it. And he threw 90.7% sinkers that year. What happened in 2013, his ERA was 4.95, 2014, 1.65. Absolutely insane. And then ever since then, from his time being on the Orioles all the way till now with the Yankees, he's literally thrown at least 80% sinkers every single year. He's now throwing his slider a bit more than he used to. And I think it's because he just trusts it more. But again, just a guy who consistently, consistently performs. Last year, he stepped into close while Araldis Chapman was out and injured and got a number of saves. I had him on one of my fantasy teams. I picked him up for free off of the waiver wire. And it was fantastic for the few weeks that I had him while he was closing. And I just hung on to him for the rest of the year because he was still getting high leverage innings and still like performing really, really well. Um, He's someone who I try to get as many shares of as as possible. I just really, really like these guys who are super hard throwing sinker ballers with two pitches and that's it. Guys who no one else likes because everyone hates sinkers. Are you old school? I feel like... Did no one tell me that I had... I feel like I'm kind of... Yeah, I might be a little bit old school. Oh no. Honestly. Ew. It's not, well, that's not like even, it. I'm, I'm trying to look at it from an analytical side in a certain sense, you know, I'm not scared of analytics, I'm not scared of it. I just like zigging when other people zag. This man's out here trying to reduce home runs and strikeouts. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with me liking defense jobs? Uh, There's no uh, play more exciting than someone uh, making a diving catch in the outfield. You can shove the, you can, I just, you can take those home runs and shove them. All right. You know what I want to see? I want to see the rest. I just, just love the I beauty see the of a well-turned double play. It's true though. It is really it is nice. nice. I also like being a Brewers fan. I get to see Lorenzo Cain make amazing play. Oh, that's one thing. I'm so sorry. Very quick sidebar. So happy that Lorenzo Cain is back with the Brewers this year. So I can watch him make more insane plays in center field. That's it. I'm done. Okay. Back real quickly to uh, Zach Britton. I'm going to take him every single time. I might even reach for him a little bit and pick him like mid 300s, honestly. I just know that he's always going to produce. He performs well. And also, if Chapman, who has had some injury history here and there, gets hurt, he's going to be first in line to get save opportunities. I like him. Yeah, and uh, we, we know he can do that. He's he's done it many a time. Since he, took a, since he became a full-time reliever, that's seven seasons worth of games. Uh, he has had an ERA over 1.92 two out of those five years. So there's no, there's a, not a lot of relievers you can just bank on year after year after year. But Britain is Britain is among the top guys. Oh, also there. of note, ranked right next to each other at number 24 and 25 on Rick Graham's top 100 relievers for saves and holds. Aaron Bummer and Zach Britton, two dudes with like a very similar profile. I love them so much. They're so great. Can't gush enough about them. Yeah, uh, you, you, the only the, the difference there, I think, is that, I mean, actually, it's, it's not really a difference. They're actually the same in this way, too. They, have, they both have a lockdown reliever in front of them with, you know, who, who, you know, capital C closers. So 
to be truly valuable in like a saves league, they're both hoping for an injury. So yeah, maybe the maybe they're the same guy. Has anyone ever seen Aaron Bummer and Zach Britton in the same room? I don't have MLB TV, so I have not seen them in the same place at the same time. No, I couldn't pick Aaron Bummer out of a lineup. So maybe, honestly, I probably couldn't either. But uh, my last guy, my last guy, and this one is. If you thought the others were speculative, wait till you hear this one. So Baltimore's bullpen is atrocious. They do not have a good bullpen. But what they do have is a former top starting pitching prospect who they've converted into a reliever. Is this starting to sound familiar? And when in the limited opportunities that he's had, he's been injured a little bit. He has thrown absolute gas out of the bullpen, throwing 80% fastballs. We, I'm talking about Hunter Harvey, who pre-injury only had six innings out of the pen, but struck out 11 guys. And if you're keep, you know, if you're into math like some of us are, that's almost two guys per inning. So he's been talked about as the prospective closer there for several years now, and we're really this is this is an incredible dart throw. This is like for your best ball drafts, your really deep leagues where you're really, really just hoping hoping for some saves. I, I really like Hunter Harvey as a late inning, a, a late round dart throw. Yeah, I can dig that. Uh, we like hard throwing guys. They're always fun to watch, at least. Uh, I know another one that you kind of talked about was, uh, what was it, Daniel Bard? You mentioned we were talking about yeah, Daniel Bard. If, yeah. I, if, if I could ever stomach drafting a pitcher from Colorado, not named Herman Marquez, uh, I would <laughs> I would like Bard as a speculative closer as yeah. well. Uh, another guy that I kind of like, I'm just going to do a really quick uh, honorable mention, Josh Stallman. Yeah, yeah, big another fan guy of that throws very uh, hard. Uh, Bar- Barlow. Yeah, Barlow is another prospective closer over in Kansas City. But the and there, like one thing that I do want to very quickly bring up before we end things is that not every league is the same. We know this, exactly. so there, there's like there's like different genres of relief pitchers and there's a handful of relief pitchers that we want to bring up before we close out the guys who are starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligible who you might be able to slot into a non-traditional role for them uh your michael lorenzen your tj anton your freddie peralta these are guys who can make a huge difference in your league just because of their quote versatility that other starter starting pitchers don't have. I love you bringing up Freddie Peralta as a Brewers fan. I always appreciate that. He's someone that I really want to see succeed. He looked really, really good last year. There's actually an article written by, Oh gosh, who wrote that? Kyle Horton wrote an article about, or about uh, Freddie Peralta that it was fantastic. And it had me all sorts of excited for this year. So I really hope that, I mean, he really seemed to thrive in that, long relief role yeah freddie fastball so much and that i mean that curveball was disgusting as well freddie peralta threw one breaking pitch early in the year that i called out in our discord as a nasty pitch candidate and that won me a free t-shirt so join the pitcherless discord call out some nasty pitches win we free stuff totally forgot that we didn't do any also, shilling at all this episode we didn't shill once well we shilled we shilled one time in the middle of the episode i, feel, I think we low-key shield a little bit, but am, am I the only person? Uh, you mentioned uh, Kyle Horton, who is a fantastic mm-hmm. analyst over at PitcherList, trademark, copyright, wink. Um, and our our manager is Trevor Hooth. Am I the only one that wants like a, a collab between Horton and Hooth called like Horton Here's a Hooth? The newest 
podcast on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Horton, here's a who. That, that's that's. There's going to be one episode. Me? It's going to okay. be a, it's going to be a limited series. It's going to be one episode, and they're going to just be exasperated the entire time about having to do it because of your awful pun that you made on this episode. I just I just want a thirty second podcast of them called that where they just go get it you get it and that's Yikes. the whole podcast. If you have any other ideas for excellent uh, content that we can produce over here at Pitcherlist, uh, feel free to join us over at the PL Plus Discord. Uh, again, we've talked about it a few times on here already, but we don't just talk baseball over there. We hang out in Plaid, which is Pitcherlist after it's dark. You'll understand what that means if you join. It's fantastic. We talk about video games, we talk about books, we talk about movies, TV, we talk about food. Everyone is just posting all these amazing pictures of their pets. It's awesome. Please feel free to join us there anytime you want. Uh, And honestly, that's going to be it for our second episode. Feel free to join us again next week on Saturday, March 6th for our third episode. We'll be kicking off first and third base corner infield previews. Yes, sir. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, we'll talk about first and third base next week. Uh, And if you want to stay up to date on new episodes and get occasional takes from us on the latest news, you can follow us at In The Deep PL or individually at Schwebzi, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I, and one singles for me. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Schwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.